The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello and welcome to the sportscaster and her son, where sports bridges the gap between generations, from baby boomers to Generation X, Y, Z, I don't know, anyone in between. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster. And I'm her son, Jason Kanander. I'm a junior at St. Ignatius College Prep and an amateur sports writer for Fansided. Nice. We are generations apart. We are mother and son, sportscaster and journalist, okay, high school journalist. We don't always get along, but we both have a love for sports, and that's what brings us together. So with this podcast, we will cross over the generations to discuss sports from yesterday, today, tomorrow, and maybe, Jason, our own lives, if you'll let me talk a little bit about our own lives. Okay. Sometimes, right? Yep. Okay, and more. In this episode, it's basketball and college. Not just college basketball, but college and basketball and there's a reason for that all right jason here's your your big question now i know you didn't think you had any homework this weekend but um did you know who coined the term march madness well first of all i actually have a lot of homework this weekend so <laughs> that's why i kind of want to finish up quickly um but no i do not know who coined the term march madness seriously no when's the first time you heard it fifth grade i think really and where did you hear it Probably filling out a bracket pool with my fifth grade class. Okay, so wait a second. We live in the Chicagoland area. We live in Illinois. And the first you heard of March Madness was probably on CBS watching college basketball? Yeah, some CBS, ESPN. But I think the first time that I ever was kind of introduced to the tournament was, again, fifth grade and kind of taken off ever since it's I I always tell you I think I told you about a million times past few weeks that it's my favorite time of the year I know love the tournament love the lead-up just the three weeks or anything that a basketball fan could ask for so I I, my love for the tournament is indescribable okay so March Madness the phrase actually was coined by the IHSA the Illinois High School Sports Association yes it's it's the governing body for high school sports in Illinois, and it was coined back in the 30s, the 1930s. So, sure you remember that. Oh, I knew you were going to say something like that. Actually, actually, no, I don't. But I don't know. You, we could go back and go through all the, the details of it. But basically, um, some guy was writing about the high school tournament. It was huge basketball, high school basketball in Illinois back in the 30s. And he coined the term March Madness. And so they used it for their big tournament every year. And then Brent Musburger. Do you know who he is? I do. I, he just retired a couple of years ago. So okay, you probably know him because of his comments about <laughs> about the football player's girlfriend from Alabama, right? No, I, I remember that. Okay, no, a little more. So Brent Musburger was actually uh, from Chicago. 
he had known the term March Madness because it was used in Illinois for high school basketball tournament. And when he was working CBS Sports and he was doing college basketball game, he used the term in the 80s. And voila, everyone started to think that it this was about NCAA. But the IHSA then sued the NCAA and said, this is our term. We started it. And they said, wait, fair usage. Everybody uses it. It's common practice. And so a court said, you both can use it. IHSA gets to use it for high school basketball. NCAA gets to use it for college College basketball. Exactly. And thus March Madness has begun. You love March Madness, don't you? Oh, yeah. You love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you turn into a different kid around the house when it hits March. You love college basketball. I, I love college basketball all year, but I think that the thing that makes me love it so much during this time of the year is that um, kind of everybody's involved. Like, I, I don't think that ever, anyone else, other than myself, kind of sits around and watches as much college basketball from November until March as I do. But to see everybody around school filling out brackets, talking about the games, watching the games, um, it's really cool for me because then I get to see everybody else share in one of my passions and kind of show the same passion even if it's just for a couple of days that I do year-round so that's kind of why I enjoy it, the communal excitement and effort. Hey, let, let me just kind of pat myself on the back here as like greatest mom ever because I gave you one of the greatest Christmas gifts ever and those were tickets to the final to four. the final four yep. what year 2016 eighth grade and what happened it was unbelievable well, I want to give myself a little pat on the back for picking Villanova to win the national championship that year, um, and then we got to witness them win on a buzzer beater. It so was crazy. It, it was unbelievable. Our seats were separate, and and we were we were we in Houston, right? Yeah, we were in Houston, and so uh, Dad and I were sitting in one part, and you and your twin were sitting on the other part yep. of the gym, and we kept looking over at you, and you were right in the middle of a student section. And you guys were, it, it was so awesome to see your face because it was such an incredible game that we ran over to sit by you guys for the final couple of minutes yeah. of the game. That was yeah. pretty amazing. And, and I remember that because you posted a video of my reaction on Facebook, and only about all of my teachers said that, <laughs> They saw me getting excited about the buzzer beater. What grade were you in then? I was in eighth grade. I think that was the tip of the iceberg. I'm like, all right, I got to get to high school. (laughs) That's it. That was pretty cool. I I love. Oh yeah, it was awesome. I agree. I I love March Madness. I love the buzzer beaters. I love the emotion of it and the drama of it. And there's so many great storylines. And you know, I used to not like college basketball as much as I liked NBA because I thought college was a lesser game. They're not as good of athletes. And I actually, uh, it's a complete opposite nowadays. I used to, when I first got into basketball, and I think it was fourth grade, it's all about the NBA, all about the Bulls. Oh, my gosh, it's so awesome. But the older you get, and I think sixth grade is when I started to make the turn, um, I enjoy college basketball about a million times more than the NBA. Um Partially because there are so many players on the court that aren't going to play at the next level. Exactly. And because, at least to our knowledge, they aren't getting paid. So they're just <laughs> out there for the love of the game because they, they love basketball. And especially the best thing about the tournament is you have these seniors who are out there and they know that there's no like third-place game. There's no. Right. It's not like they're going to go home and get their paycheck in the mail. They're, they have to leave it all out there. 
for their school, for their families, for their teammates, and just to see that passion um, and how meaningful the games are, that every shot matters, every play matters. And You're getting 100% effort every single minute. That's what I love. And, Jason, they're vulnerable. They're yeah. not, because of maybe they're not being getting paid, they're so vulnerable. Anything can happen. You know, you expect... They probably aren't getting paid, yeah. You expect certain shots to go in, but at the college level, anything can happen. It doesn't oh, yeah. go in. They don't make the shot. Or some kid you never heard of comes off the bench and is hitting threes and popping them Let, like last crazy. Last year, Dante DiVincenzo won the... Uh, uh, most outstanding player of the tournament. I don't think that anybody other than a select few people, including myself, really knew who that was going into the tournament. So the best part, I think, about um, the individual teams and players is that anybody can make the big shot. Chris Jenkins, when we were at the game, that made the big shot. He, I think he played in the summer league for one summer, and he's kind of been off the map ever since. So anybody can do it. it it's just it, it's amazing. I, I can't even describe it. I love it. All right, speaking of March Madness, we had to find a local guy. We needed to find a Chicago guy who can talk about March Madness. And we're not just talking high school March Madness. We're talking, obviously, March Madness with college as well. Antoine Walker is one of those guys. He won a national championship at Kentucky. He was the sixth overall pick in the NBA draft. 13 years in the NBA, all-star, won a ring. Oh, my gosh. I mean, now he's hosting a podcast, Southside Heat. He's an analyst at the SEC Network, ESPN, and Fox Sports 1. Antoine Walker is joining us. How are you, Antoine? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. You ran my bio off. I got excited. I know, right? <laughs> well, listen, you know, when you grow up in Chicago like I do, the, yeah, I remember covering you. It's, it's, you love the guys that, that you can follow their entire careers. So, absolutely, uh, you're, you make us all proud. Thanks for the warm reception. I appreciate it, though. So, so to, to, to lead off here, um, Kentucky had a big win against Houston in the Sweet 16. Um, I was actually watching it with my mom. Tyler Hero, big game-winning shot as a freshman. You were in the same type of situation leading Kentucky as a freshman. Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, ultimately won the national championship. How can you relate to the nerves and the expectations in such a big moment? And, you know, when Tyler caught the ball, he just shot it. it, it, it he didn't hesitate. That wasn't really a ran play. He just... You knew he wanted to shoot it. He shot it, and he made it. How can you relate to that? Well, I think, obviously, you know, you, you live for these moments as a basketball player, stuff you dream about. Um, so as a kid, I dreamed about playing in the, you know, in the NCAA tournament, hopefully one day playing the Final Four. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure Tyler had the same approach, the same uh, process behind it. And throughout the season, you kind of get yourself together as you – you know, you kind of build to these moments, and you, when the opportunity comes, you like to take full advantage of it. So I was excited for him. Um, I think, obviously, when you're a freshman, especially with these Kentucky teams over the last, I would say, last 10 years, at least since Calipari's been there, he's tried to do win championships with a lot of freshmen. And um, this is a special group, this group, and Tyler Hero has been consistent all year. If you follow Kentucky basketball, you will know that Tyler Hero has been the one guy who's been consistent for them and has made big shots on neutral sites and in, in big game situations. What was it like for you, Tuan, from from high school at Mount Carmel uh, in Chicago to go into this big time program uh, at Kentucky and contributing right away as a freshman? 
I mean, what was did did you even have an adjustment process at all? Because it seemed like you had instant success. Whatever happened here in Chicago prepared you for that next step. It, it did prepare me, but um, it was it was really hard. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that. You know, like you said, I was a kid from Chicago that went to Mount Carmel, a small private school with 800 students to going to the University of Kentucky with 24,000 students. And I was homesick for the first couple of months just because I was out of my element, what I had been used to over the last four years. So it was much harder than what I thought it was going to be. The one thing that kind of saved me was basketball because I had that place where I was comfortable and I was playing basketball. So, um, after going through that process of, you know, homesick, and I never worked as hard as I had to work when I got to Kentucky. Everybody was 6'8", 6'9", tall. Everybody could run fast. Everybody could jump. So I had to really work hard and understand if I wanted to be a really good player, how hard it was going to take. So it was an adjustment period for me for the first three, four months. And once I got a hang of it and once I started to enjoy school, it made things a lot easier. So I actually – I'm I go to a – Small private school in Chicago, St. Ignatius College Prep. We have, I think, about 1,200 students. And I'm a junior in high school, so next year I'll be going through the college process. And what do you think, not necessarily, it doesn't have to do with basketball or with athletics, it can, but you said that it was tough transition from a small private school in Chicago to a big university like Kentucky. What was the turning point for you um, in college, just kind of overall, personally, that where it went from being homesick to you know I love it here living it up because everyone says college is the best years of your life so when did it turn from being kind of time being homesick to time the best time of your life I think we I think right now especially for me um, kids gotta understand and what college is all about Um, not just sports related but I had a different perception of what college was I thought college was a place where you get a lot of free time, where you didn't have to really study or work hard. So I think that was really the biggest adjustment. Um, You do have a lot of free time. You're not in your parents' house no more. So you have to be even more responsible when you go to college. And I think that was the most surprising part to me. I had a set schedule. I can remember once basketball season started. So when I include my basketball season and, and class, I was leaving my room at 8 in the morning and not returning to like eight, nine o'clock at night, Oof. you know? So that was like the, that was like the biggest adjustment. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. I'm used to going, to, I was used to high school where you knew what time you was getting out and you knew what time practice was over, but no, with class, basketball practice, study hall. And obviously if you need a tutor or some extra help, you had to get all those things. So it was, it was different than what I thought. So it was much, much harder. So for anybody that's going to say, you got to have a, the right mindset going into college that you're going to have to work even harder to reach your goals. Wow. So you're 20 years old. You win a, a national title at Kentucky. Ten years later, you win an NBA title at the age of 30. You went from, I mean, if you weren't young at, at 20, you were a man at 30. What was that process for you, that maturation, that growing up period? What did you have to learn now as a professional athlete? College was easy. I mean, I've, I've played on a team that was really, really close. Um, so we, I got along with those guys easy. Everything was was great. Um, we we loved each other like brothers, and, and winning that title was something very special. But when I got pro, it's different. Um, you, you become more of an individual. 
you have to you know handle yourself like a business. You become you know you have to handle. Now you're paying bills. You're, you're taking care of the people. You got kids. It, it just becomes totally different. So it was a different mindset. But I have played. I had been in the league for nine years already. I've uh, been in the playoffs a few a few times, three four years, and I was ready for something different. And I got a unique opportunity uh, when I played with the Miami Heat and won my NBA championship. I played with Shaquille O'Neal, Hall of Famer, and then I played with another Chicago guy, Dwayne Wade, who's finishing up his last year right now. Uh, so to be a, to play alongside those guys and a, and a couple other guys that are Hall of Famers, Gary Payton and Alonzo Mourning, uh, just was very special for me as an individual to be. A, played a couple of years with them, and then to win the NBA title. So tying both of those together, another guy um, right now that a lot of people think can get up to the level of those names, you know, Gary Payton, Shaquille O'Neal, all those great players you just named, but is going through the same transition from college to, in all likelihood, the NBA is Zion Williamson. So what do you think, how would you compare your process going from, obviously you stayed two years at Kentucky, but Zion's expected to only stay one. How would you compare your process from the college from college to the NBA to Zion's? And what can you explain? What exactly is Zion going to be going through in the next couple of months? Oh, I can't compare mine. I think mine was a little bit more easier. Um, I feel sorry for him um, in a sense of what he's going to have to go through. Uh, people are looking at him as a, the next LeBron James, mm-hmm. next Michael Jordan of the league. Uh, to kind of carry the torch as one of the young guys who, who's got the ability to do that. I think Zion's a great player. If you watch him, I, I don't know him personally, but if you watch him and, and see the fact that he came back after his injury uh, speaks volumes to me. It speaks that values that, one, he loves the game. Two, he loves college. He loves bringing around his teammates because um, he could have easily went pro and said, I'm not going to play anymore. And people would have understood um, if he wanted to take that route. But the fact that he came back and showed that he wants to play and, and enjoy his college experience speaks volumes about him. But there's no comparison because he's he's getting put on a pedestal that he's going to have to live up to. And um, it's unfortunate. I had time to grow. Uh, even though I went to the Boston Celtics, which is a story franchise, I still had time to grow. He's not going to have time. He's going to have to be an impact player. And his life is going to change dramatically within the next three weeks. Um, after the NCAA tournament is over, he becomes a grown man, has a huge responsibility. He'll get a big major shoe deal right out of right out of college. It's just the dynamics for him are going to be much much higher. People are expecting great things from him. He has a huge social media following. Um, he's playing in a different era than I played in. So, um, oh look, it's going to be great for him. Don't get me wrong, it's going to be great for him. But the expectations are going to be much much higher than I ever had to deal with. I have to agree with you in the sense of everyone is putting so much pressure on him that rarely does anyone live up to, like, LeBron James. When LeBron was in high school and he played here in Chicago uh, with his AAU team, everyone knew he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. This kid was going to be a great player. But rarely do they live up to those expectations. And You know, I mean, Antoine, he's got this smile on his face, Zion Williamson does, that I love this pure joy of playing. And I just worry that it's like the the business of the NBA is, you know, you just don't want it to get to him and take that pure love away. It's, you know, he he has a lot of like Magic Johnson in him in that sense, that 
people love to watch him because he's having so much fun out there. And, you know, you just don't want to see that joy go. Yeah, and that's the thing that it's funny you talk about that. He's going to become a, a businessman in three weeks. Mm-hmm. Literally, once the term is over with, you know, he's going to have to pick a financial advisor, pick a, um, an agent. Um, I hope his support system is really, really good because he's going to need them. I mean, he's going to go from right now in school, he probably pays no bills, uh, <laughs> to now he's going to have to pay bills in three or four weeks because he's going to want to have to get a trainer, work out. I mean, it's so many things that he's going to be faced with that you hope his mom and father and his support team are prepared and ready for and getting ready for it because um, it's going to be great. He's he's going to be he's going to have an opportunity to make a whole lot of money, uh, which is going to be great. Uh, but right now, you can tell uh, it's funny watching him. You can tell that he's enjoying the college experience. That's why I was so excited that he came back and and finished his things off the right way. So we're pretty sure that Zion's going to be one of the better players in the NBA in, uh, in the next few years. He <laughs> could, hey, he could just be a, a good player, right? And that's right. okay. But that's okay. Yeah, you just doing some research. You played on a team in Kentucky that had nine players that eventually played in the NBA. Now the Untouchables. Yes. Now the answer <laughs> to this question doesn't necessarily have to be one of your teammates, but who was the one guy? that you played with or played against in college that you were positive was going to be a great NBA player and it just didn't work out for him? Ooh. Whoa, that's a great question. Um, to say that. Ooh. Oh, gosh, you know what, Antoine? I would say, like, the, the there's, like, playgrounds in Chicago filled with guys like that, you know? Oh, without question. I mean, I play with tons of guys in Chicago, um, Jason, you may be too young for this, but I know Peggy remembers some of these names, like the Ronnie Fields. I totally remember Ronnie. Uh, right, Ronnie Fields, Rashad Griffin, oh. uh, Jamie Brandon. Yeah. Um, so Unless many you're... high school phenoms. Yeah, so many high school phenoms that never actually made it to the NBA. Um, so you get those. I think on my team, to be honest, it's probably, I really, I always was a little arrogant in the sense I thought I was. Um, was better than them. That's the competitive part. That's why we had nine pros because we all, were, you know, a lot of us were McDonald's All Americans, and we all were great high school players. Um, I think some of the, I think some of the guys on the team probably had shorter careers than what I thought. I thought they would play longer. Um, a guy that played in Chicago. Um, I don't know if you remember him, Ron Mercer. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, Ron Mercer played on my team. I thought he would play young, um, longer. He retired really early. I think he retired before thirty. Mm. Um, he did make he did make good money playing the league, but I thought he would you know be in the league fifteen years. But he, he ended up retiring a little earlier than than, than he should have. Wow. Well, there's a lot of lessons for uh, these guys today to learn from. Um, Antoine, it's so great to hear that you are doing well, um, mm-hmm. working like a you're working like crazy. I can't believe this. Uh, SEC <laughs> Network, ESPN, yeah. Fox Sports One, and you have a podcast, Southside Heat. You know, you have no time for rest, do you? Yes, yes. So I'm I'm still connected to the sports world, which I love uh, and enjoy every day. So. Um, you know, hopefully I can stay in the business for a long time. It's a tough it's a lot of ex basketball players that wants to do the sport. So you you know that Peggy. They're always out there trying to get involved in the game. But 
um, outside the home, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and I'm using my elbows to block you guys out, just like I did on the northwest side at Resurrection High School, blocking <laughs> you guys out from taking my jobs. But, Antoine, thank you again. It's really great to hear from you. Thank you. We wish you the best of luck, and thank you for joining Jason and me on the sports. Thank you very much. Song. Thank you. Right, thank, yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, be well. Okay, I said this was going to be a conversation about college and basketball. So I want to talk about college for a second. The hot topic, Operation Varsity Blues. Parents paying to get their kids into elite colleges. I have to tell you, Jason, you're in this position right now. We are going through the college process with you. My first reaction when I saw the actresses on TV, I started laughing. Oh, I did the exact same thing. I thought it was funny. I thought, I thought, oh gosh, this is so funny. They have to pay to get their kids into these colleges. I wasn't offended by it. I, were you? Because I, I found it to be really funny. I felt bad for them um, because the way I look at it is. Why can't you just do your homework and like, study for your tests? <laughs> I, I, I do. It's not that difficult. It, it's not that difficult at all. Um, just do your homework, study for your tests, and then get into these colleges. And I think I read somewhere, like, people paying, like, thousands of dollars for unlimited time on the SAT. Like, really? You don't need that. Some were paying to have someone – you could either correct their answers on the ACT or just have someone well, else completely take actually, it. Actually, the the thing with the SAT that I thought was the absolute funniest was the family that hired the man to take the SAT for their daughter, and then he only got a 1420. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my friends were laughing so hard. We're like, imagine paying $10,000, and then the guy that takes your SAT gets a 1420. <laughs> I, know, right? I want my money back. I want my money back. But So there's been a lot of interviews on these college campuses, and they're talking to current you know, college students who are up in arms and suing these universities. They took away a spot that was meant for, I mean, do you feel that way? Do you feel no. like, no. you haven't even gotten into any colleges Not at yet. All. No, well, but if you didn't I hope get I into haven't. one, I'm only a junior. I know, but if you didn't get into one that was, you know, your dream school, would you be more angry about this? Not at all, because how do you know that you were the next one in line? Yeah, it's that's a really narrow minded way to look at it. I think is if you get denied from a school or waitlisted or deferred or whatever and somebody gets in the wrong way, you're like, oh, that's not fair. That was my spot. No, it was not your spot. That, that could have been anybody's spot. It It's just I, I pity the people that are involved in this because it's like, who cares? Let me let. OK, I have an opinion that is not a very popular one. Let me ask you this. What is the big difference between a bunch of rich people paying to get their kids into college and maybe a couple of athletes that are getting into a college that maybe they shouldn't be? What's the difference? The athletes are actually contributing something to the college, whether it's contributing revenue for the school or adding on to promoting the school's Good image. Point. By adding somebody who has like a 2.5 cumulative GPA to a prestigious school, I don't really know what you're doing. I, I don't think that – I'm sure the school is using the millions of dollars that they got in a good way, but I just I, – I think that 
it's not really comparable to compare athletes to um, underqualified admitted students because the athletes are there for a purpose and they're being recruited for the school by the school not for their academics but for their athletics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, spoken like a true sports fan, I get it. Yeah, I'll tell you what really did piss me off with Operation Varsity Blues, and you're gonna roll your eyes at this. I know you are. They, the the parents, who actually had their kids, their daughters, imposters as college athletes. <laughs> that really pisses me off. Like, I almost don't care about someone else just changing their answers. I don't care about them paying, you know, somebody to take the test for them. Uh, I don't care if they donated $100,000 to the university and uh, voila, their, their kid gets in. I don't know why. I guess that's just kind of like how it seems like a lot a lot of things happen in society. But it does piss me off that they chose the women's teams to imposter. <laughs> they chose, uh. and it was like saying, well, we can't get Johnny. We can't pull Johnny off as being a basketball player because, you know, he's only, you know, 5'7 and is super uncoordinated. Uh, but we can sure get Molly to look like she is on the crew team or Molly is uh, going to look like a volleyball player or a lacrosse well, you player know what? because no one's going to check the women's rosters. That's what <laughs> pisses me off. That That's what they assumed. God, that makes um, me mad. Well, for one, I don't really know anybody that kind of thinks to check, like, the women's crew team roster. But at the same time, I really want to give the parents props for effort because <laughs> for going effort. out and buying all the lacrosse equipment, <laughs> staging, like, the photo shoot, I think it's a pretty good idea. If only their kids could be that bright. We just got back from our college, our first co- my first college visits with you um, to look at potential schools. And... Um, I don't know. What did you think, Jason? Was it you actually visited TCU? I did with Dad. I did back in September. And TCU, you grew up loving them because Dad, still do. Dad went there. Yeah. Okay. So you had already visited TCU, yeah. and um, we went to the Carolinas so that you could visit Wake Forest and North Carolina Chapel Hill. Yeah. So now you've visited three schools. Tell me what you thought. Well, I I tried to, going into the colleges, I tried to have an open mind because it's really easy to, like, pre-assume what you're going to see. And I, I just, I really want to make the right decision with college. I've put way too much work into high school. I tried way too, way too hard in school to kind of make this, to kind of slight myself on this decision. So um, I try to go into every visit with, like, the same mentality, open-minded, see, you know, can you picture yourself living here? Do you like the academics? Um all that stuff. So I've been really impressed with all three of the schools I visited. Um, Does it matter to you, big school or small school? You know, I don't know yet. Urban, suburban? Uh, Definitely not urban. Small town? Definitely not urban. You don't want to be in a city I don't want. I don't want to be in a city campus. Okay. I, I'll, I have no problem going to a college that's like a couple – a couple miles away from a city. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't want to be – I don't want my dorm room to be like an apartment in – downtown of the city because that's not college so we also visited some schools for your twin brother who you guys are going to be splitting up for the first time so you finally say. yeah so you say so well, you say well you, you no. neither of you have committed anywhere yet so okay. you know you this will be the first time you guys will split up he is looking at completely opposite schools from you yeah. he wants an urban setting he wants a urban suburban type of setting a bigger city more of a vibe like that 
and you want what? What's the number one thing for you besides getting away from home as far away as possible? I, I don't I don't know. There it's and it's not as much of like I don't know like what college is about. It's more of there are a lot of things that I'm really stoked for for the college process and for college, whether that be like prestige of the school, yeah, um, quality of academics, I guess those two go hand in hand, the athletic atmosphere, broadcasting program, um, livability. So I don't know what I want most in a school, but I know what I am not going to care about in a school, I guess. What's that? Because, you know, schools spend a lot of money on these tours and what they put well, into what they think the first, you kids want to know. The first thing that's not going to matter as much is where the school is, as long as it's out of Illinois. But I say that kind of loosely because when I met with my college counselor for the first time, he, I told him the exact same thing, and he goes, okay, well, you're going to be fine if I put you in Arkansas. And I, I'm like, wait, wait, no, I wouldn't be fine at all. But at the same time, it's not like um, going to like a, a school in like a colder state isn't going to be like it's not going to be harder to pick that school because I'm not out in California. You know what I mean? You you just don't want the Midwest. No, I, I just don't want Illinois. Like I I want to I want to leave. Why? What is what did I do to you? What is it that we did raising you that you don't want to you want to be out of Illinois when you go to college? I just I, I want to everything that Dad says about like TCU and how great it was being away from home. I want to experience that. And but I was away from home too. I went to Southern Illinois and Carbondale. Yeah, but I don't want you guys to like come drive and visit me like every. Oh, other that's weekend. what it is. <laughs> that's what it is. You don't want it. You don't want us to come visit. Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Now we're getting down to what yeah. you really want. All right. So I, I get that. I get that. Um, anything that you did not like about the college visits we did? I don't. The thing that I don't like about the college process as a whole is how, like, people make it something that it isn't. Like, I'm going to try to get into the best school possible. I'm going to try to get into my dream schools. But at the same time, it's not the end of the world if you don't get into those schools. And I really dislike how everyone's like, ah, college, college, college. Enjoy senior year high school. I'm going to try to enjoy it. But at the same time, I'm going to try to live this experience to the fullest because you can only go through it once. Um... And I've put so much into high school academically where I feel like I would be doing the work that I put in a disservice if I didn't go all in for the last step of the high school process, which is transitioning to college. You know, this is very new because when I was in high school, nobody really cared about the ACT. No one, we didn't, you just took the test. It's a lot different now. It's totally different. It's like a national holiday when the ACT scores get posted at my school. I know, you guys are like... You put way too much pressure on yourselves academically. This generation does. It's crazy. Like, we didn't, we didn't care. I think I got an 18. It was like, oh, you got an 18. Oh, okay, what does that mean? It means you're going to state school. If you got an 18 <laughs> at my school, I think that the deans would ask you to leave. <laughs> but I've had a pretty darn good career, so No, you had, and that's why I say it's not the end of the world if you don't get into an Ivy League exactly. school or a top 20 school in the country. It's more of, I think it's a bonus if you get in there, and hell, if I get in there, I'd be unbelievably excited but at the same time I know I'm going to do well wherever I go I know wherever I go I'm going to think that it's the best choice 
And who knows like where I would really have the best experience, but it is what you make of it, and I'm just going to try to stay positive throughout the process and enjoy it. When we were driving from North Carolina to South Carolina, you said the one thing that jumped out was you can't believe how many colleges and universities there are. And that drive alone, I mean, we went and took a drive up to Davidson because we had nothing to do that day. We went to High Point University just because everyone at the hotel we were staying at was like, oh, my gosh, you got to go see High Point. Uh, you know, and then we went and saw two more schools for your brother, so Eli. On, and we saw Wake Forest for you, and we saw uh, North Carolina Chapel Hill, and we saw South Carolina in yep. uh, Columbia. Yeah. So, I mean, it was amazing how many colleges. I think the moral is there is you know, a North place Carolina, for everyone. North Carolina has the second most Division I colleges next to California. Wow. In the country. And I, and I think amazing. the Boston area has the most number of colleges or universities like per capita or something like that. So Yeah, no, I actually think Massachusetts has the most um, colleges overall, but that's n- like not necessarily and Don't quote one. us. We didn't do our homework on that. So, you know, But the moral is there is a place for everyone, no Just matter find it. what. You have to find it and you have to be open-minded and you have to kind of embrace it. Exactly. Don't look... Don't look. The thing that I'm going to try to avoid the most next year is getting caught up in where everybody else is going because I'm not writing their their rec letters. I'm not writing their applications. Wherever my friends go, wherever other people in my grade go, that is not going to impact where I go, um, whether it be if I get selected to go to a school or if I decide to go to a school. It won't play a factor, and that's probably the thing that I dislike the second most is um, people are, oh, me and whoever are going to go to whatever school. How, how do you know that? Yeah. Like, I just, ooh, everybody tries to spin the college process one way and make it into something that it isn't. So I'm just going to stay positive, and I'm really going to enjoy it in these next 12 months. Well, you should enjoy it because uh, you not wanting us to come visit you every weekend means you can't come home every weekend, which also means that your 10-year-old sister is going to take over your room. So enjoy your room while you have it. All right, let's take a look ahead. Prediction time. Jason, this is all yours. Tell me some things because we like to look at sports yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So give me a couple of predictions. What are some things that we should look for? Okay, so before I get into this first one, um, we're taping this on March 30th. So in case that this happens or doesn't happen um, in between when this podcast goes public, um, just to get that out there. uh, My first prediction, staying true to the college theme with all three, um, is that after the NBA season, Luke Walton will be fired from the Lakers, as he should. Um, and then he will take the UCLA head basketball coach job. His dad played there. He played there. I think he's a much better fit as a college coach, and it just seems like a match made in heaven. Wow. God, NBA is tough on players. Man, I thought it was a player's league. Now I, apparently you can't be a player coach. Go on. Okay. Um, number two, obviously, two of the biggest storylines of the NCAA tournament, Zion Williamson. John Morant of Murray State. Mm. Um, Zion's going to go first overall in the draft. Doesn't matter who's picking there. Doesn't matter what position. He's going to go first overall. Right. Um, second overall is going to be either R.J. Barrett or John Morant. It doesn't matter. I think John Morant's going to be the best player in the draft. He has a lot of Russell Westbrook in him, except he actually has a jump shot. Um, and I really I, I loved what I saw in the tournament. If you put him on a team with a real supporting cast, I think that they'd still be playing as of today. And today's the first two elite eight games so boy don't you think he's gonna he might be an nba tweener i don't know i i I don't think so Ah, i don't think so all right and then number three is that um 
think we booked our last round of college visits. So we're going to do Syracuse, so Newhouse Broadcasting School, in June, I think. Um, and okay. then at the end of the summer, we're going to go on a uh, big California visit, look at UCLA, USC, um, finish it off just in time for school to start so I know where I'm applying and yeah, really looking forward to it. Okay, and I predict that that will be the end of our college visits because uh, we are not going to see every single college on your list. That's crazy. All right, quick story. When Jason and his twin brother were younger, they used to build forts out of blankets in the living room, all right? And it would take up the entire living room. This is a mom story here, okay? I mean, the entire living room. They grabbed every blanket that was in the house. They grabbed every pillow. They went in the garage and got all the tape that they could find. And they would duct tape these big, heavy blankets all around the living room. And you could not get, walk through the living room. But, you know, it was cute. It was, you know, these these cute little twin boys building their fort. And they would take all day, all day. Well, after about a week of this being up, it was driving me crazy because I could not walk through that part of the house. Do you even remember this, Jason? Not at all. Okay. So after about a week of not being able to get into the living room, I took the fort down. And I cleaned up all the tape, folded like 20 blankets, put them all on the couch. I was cleaning up the house. I think I'm starting to remember this. Yeah. I was cleaning up the house. So I thought, you know, they can always build another fort, right? I needed the breathing space. Well, you and your brother were pissed. You were not happy. You went to dad and said, dad, we got to do something about mom. She's got to go. Nice, huh? Our thanks to our guest, Antoine Walker. Check out his broadcast work with SEC and his podcast, Southside Heat. Thanks to my buddy, Stephen Bardo, who I covered as a high school player in Carbondale while I was in college, now doing a great job in the biz and helping me out as well. Adam Yaffe for his amazing support and expertise in driving the show. Siapa Lewis, your creative mind, helped us get started. And artwork and logo by the talented and understated Shay Canander. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, The Sportscaster and Her Son. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Check out my stories on NBCChicago.com. And Jason, where are your stories? Fan-sided. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years. Makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world.